And in Luke, we have a slightly different account, which sort of fills in the gaps of the Christmas narrative. Again, beginning at chapter 2. At that time, the Roman Emperor, Augustus, decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He travelled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, his fiancée, who was now obviously pregnant. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. But the angel reassured them, Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Saviour, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognise him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. And so in six or seven minutes of reading, we cover everything that scripture tells us about the first Christmas. But what I wanted to talk about this morning, as sort of the the second part of, of the talk, if you like, is obedience. Because the Christmas story is full of examples of obedience. There's a great line in one of the carols, I think it's once in Royal David City, um, which, uh, which says, um, uh, Christian children all must be um, mild, obedient, good as he. Um, which always makes me smile now, because I like to think that Timothy's a fairly Christian child, but <laughs> he's got a little, bit, little way to go on the other things, and I'm sure that most Christian children, um, uh, Christian parents might have a wry smile when they sing that line. It's, um, it, it's, it's not easy, is it? But when we look at the Chris, Christmas story, there are a lot of incredibly obedient people. So, come on, let's, this, this is, it, it's a family service after all, so I won't do all the work. 
Who can we think of that's obedient in the Christmas story? Mary and Joseph, absolutely, yes. Yeah, incredibly. Um, Sorry? Well, yeah, yep, absolutely. I mean, going back to Mary and Joseph, I think that um, I think that Joseph Joseph's obedience is remarkable. Um, I suppose, to a certain extent, Mary didn't have much choice in the matter. <laughs> um, well, I'm not saying she wasn't obedient, of course. But with Joseph, when I, I said a few weeks ago that um, you know Mary could have been facing facing death, it would have utter disgrace. He was incredibly obedient. When, when he was told by an angel of the Lord, he still could have run away. He still could have deserted Mary. He still could have divorced her or, or, or dragged her before, before the Pharisees. But he didn't. He was obedient. He's, they, the two of them would have had so much social anger to deal with. But they did it because they were obedient. The wise men, again, the wise men saw this star. They, we, we think that they were um, astronomers or something, something similar. They were, they, they, they were aware of the significance of certain constellations at certain times. They were aware of scriptures and prophecies. And they had enough knowledge of scripture to know that the constellations and the way that they were aligning was so significant, they had to drop everything and start what, as far as we, we understand, was quite an arduous journey. It would have been quite an expensive journey. It would have taken them away from, from their homelands, from, their, from their, um, their families, from their safety and security of what they were used to. But they were obedient. They followed that star. And you see, what's interesting with them is that they never received an angelic messenger as such. But they responded to scripture. Sometimes we can read the Bible and say, come on then, God, do something. You know, Give me an angelic messenger. Send someone. Give me a sign. The wise men didn't wait for a sign. The wise men read scripture. They responded to what they'd read. And they, they, they took a bit of a gamble to a certain extent. They might have got it wrong. They might have invested all that time and effort and expense in a journey that ultimately was a waste of time. But instead, they were obedient to what they felt was right. And they turn up and they worship and they bring gifts because they recognise the kingship of Christ. <coughs> Any other obedience in the Christmas story? Shepherds, shepherds absolutely, yes. Yeah, I love, I love the account of the, the meeting with the shepherds because it, it records their very first emotion. They were terrified. I think sometimes we, we sort of think that, you know, if we met an angel, we would, we would be overjoyed. It would be lovely, it would be wonderful. But in a dark field where their job was to protect their flocks from, from any threat, any, any wild animals or, or, or robbers or anything like that. Their job was to tend their flock and suddenly 
out of nowhere, this angel, we don't know. We're told that they were shining God's glory, so we always have this image that it was, it was sort of someone in, in white robes shining like something out of a Daz Ultra advert, but we can't be sure, can we? They were terrified. I don't know if any of you saw the series, um, uh, I think it was shown on Channel 5 a few years ago, and it was called The Bible, and it, 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 um, it sort of followed the Bible all the way through as a dramatisation. It was, it was really quite good. Um, what I liked about that was that angels throughout the, um, throughout the whole history of the Bible, they, they depicted angels as warriors. They weren't sort of the, the nice flowing white, white robes and, and um, sort of gentle, gentle. They were warriors. You wouldn't want to get on the wrong side of an angel. If an angel walked into the room, you would be terrified. Now, of course, that's just one director's interpretation, but I thought that was quite interesting because actually seeing an angel come in would be terrifying, like it was for the shepherds that night. And yet they were obedient. They had their minds put at rest. They heard the message and they were obedient. As soon as the angels went back into heaven, the shepherds said, let's go. Let's go to Bethlehem. Now, we don't know what happened to their sheep, whether they herded them into Bethlehem or whether they put them in a pen, or whether they simply left them in the pasture. What we do know is they recognised that it was worth abandoning their sheep because they had been told to go to Bethlehem to find the baby. They had been told how to recognise the baby. And when they did all that, and they found that what the angel had told them to do reflected the actual situation in Bethlehem, they were amazed to the point that they went out telling people the shepherds were incredibly obedient. Of course, the wise men weren't obedient to Herod, thankfully. Herod recognised the kingship of Christ. Herod, Herod understood that if God was sending a king, he was a threat. If God had been stupid enough to send his king as a, as a tiny little baby, then let's deal with the threat while it's, while it's still a tiny baby. Herod did what any evil king would do. And he gives his orders, doesn't he? First of all, he says to the wise men, when you find where the baby is in Bethlehem, come back to me and report to me so I can go and worship him as well. Now we know that Herod was a nasty piece of work. Who knows with the wise men whether there was a conversation sort of saying, well, he didn't seem that bad. He, 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 he was hospitable. He had an audience with us. He wants to go and worship. We've just worshipped. Why should we stop him going? No, I don't trust him. Hmm. Okay, we'll, we'll go back via a different route. Thankfully, they didn't trust him. Thankfully, they, were, they, they, were, they followed their instincts. They were obedient to their impression of King Herod. They didn't follow his instructions, they weren't obedient to him. But they were obedient to God. See, the Christmas story, it, it couldn't have happened if the wise men had done what King Herod had told them to do. We also read in Scripture, don't we? And I hadn't planned to speak about this this morning because it's not a pleasant subject, but we have the slaughter of the innocents to deal with as well as part of the Christmas story. It, it, it comes sometime after, but it's very uncomfortable reading for, for a Christmas, for Christian service. But God protected Jesus because Jesus was sacred. Jesus was 
the most special person ever to live. God protected him. One day we'll have a sermon on the slaughter of the innocents and see what we can make of that because it's a big subject. But we can see all through, all through the Christmas narrative when people are obedient to God, it leads to good news. It leads to an acknowledgement that Jesus Christ, this baby in the manger, was the Messiah that had been promised through generations. And so this Christmas for us, how can we be obedient? I'm sure we can all sit here and think of times over the past 12 months or maybe even 12 days when we've been disobedient. When we've got things wrong. When we haven't honoured God. Christmas is a time when we can, we can remind ourselves that we're as innocent as that baby in the manger in God's eyes. The, 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 the knowledge and the wisdom that we have is so small in comparison with God. There is nothing that we can do or say or think that will, that will offend God, that, that, is, that, is so, that is so bad, it's too big for God to forgive. God's love is all-encompassing. He knows we're fallen people. And that's why he sent his saviour. That's why he sent that baby in that manger. That is why Christmas is so important. Without Christmas, God hasn't fulfilled his promise. Without Christmas, we would still be reading the Psalms saying, yeah, that was written a few thousand years ago and we're still no closer. We still feel ever more distant from God. We still look back at the sufferings of our people and, and it's been a long time since there's been a, been a miracle or been any sort of um, appearance of God. Where are you? And sometimes we might feel like that, but we can look back at Christmas and say, there you are. There you are. That's, that's where you are. Christmas is so important. So how can we be obedient? Well, that's up to us to decide. Maybe we can commit more to our church. Maybe we can, we can go to more prayer meetings. Maybe we can, um, we can take on responsibilities. Maybe we can get involved in in the prayer groups on Tuesdays or other Bible study groups. Maybe we can commit to, to reading the Bible in a year if we haven't done that before or, or some sort of reading notes. Maybe we can commit to setting aside a chunk of our day to prayer even though we, we feel like we're busy. Maybe we can actually push something else out and say, no, I'm going to spend half an hour a day in prayer, reading scriptures, spending time with my Bible. Maybe we can commit to speaking to the pastoral care team and saying, I can, I can give an hour a week to go and visit somebody, one hour out of my week, I can do that because I want to be obedient to God. Maybe we're going to start reading Christian literature. Whatever it may be. Maybe it's going to be, I'm going to listen to worship music in the car. It might be anything, trivial or, or huge, life-changing. It, it doesn't matter, just anything. If we're obedient to God, we get a step closer to recognising and knowing the baby in the manger. So this Christmas time, let's acknowledge what we have. Let's acknowledge what God's given us. As we look around us and enjoy all the, 
all the wonderful trappings of Christmas, as we, as we share with friends and family, as we wake up tomorrow morning and those of us lucky enough to, um, to, to be near a child will, will just revel in the joy and excitement they, that, they, that they experience. Let's not take anything for granted that God has given us. And let's respond by saying, God, I recommit to you. I recommit to you. And I'm not just saying that. I'm actually going to do something about that this coming year. I'm going to recommit and I'm going to show you that just as you were serious about me and that your commitment to me was honoured, well, I'm serious about my commitment to you and I want to honour that with some of my time and a bit more of my life. So let's give that some thought this Christmas as we close now in, in prayer and then we're going to sing um, another song before we, before we go and have tea and coffee together.